Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send it! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast. Coming to you from a very hot and stuffy wherever you are, because I'm sure it's similarly uh, a hot pot where you are as where we are. My name is Graham, and joining me today is the puddle himself, Luke Holmes. Hi Graham. Hi. Oh, you can you can speak. You're not you're not melted to your chair. Not yet. Not yet. I probably will be after this. After we finish this, because this is unbearable. Twenty eight degrees where I am right now, and I've not got my fan on. It is not fun. Yeah, I am opening my window as soon as I'm finished. Putting on a set of headphones, I don't hear the street noise, and uh, I'm gonna leave that open for a few hours. Yeah, my I don't think I've closed my window for about a month. This it's been open for ages. Yeah, it's been it's been stuffy, but. Uh, Similarly, it was a very hot and uh, action-packed, oh, I say action-packed, uh, not exactly action-packed, but the action that was there was fairly uh, contentious with the uh, British Grand Prix this weekend. Uh, one that was won out late by Lewis Hamilton, the head of Charles Leclerc and Valtteri Bottas, finishing out the podium places. So we're just going to hop right into this. Uh, this is going to be a talking point A of this podcast, B uh, for the arguably for a lot of the season going forward in terms of in terms of context in terms of narratives it's going to come up here and there and especially if Lewis Hamilton wins the title it's certainly going to come up then of course I am referring to the lap one incident that saw Lewis Hamilton collide with Max Verstappen which pushed him into the barrier into the very uh, relatively unprotected tire barrier at uh, at the uh, at cops corner uh, obviously resulting in Verstappen's uh, DNF. So let's break this down bit by bit. Uh, the incident itself, uh, absolutely hammer and toms between Hamilton and Verstappen. Uh, I did think that Hamilton would get Verstappen lap one, just purely based on that straight line speed. And we kind of saw a bit of it yesterday uh, with the, with the, uh, or sorry, Saturday rather, with the uh, sprint qualifying. But uh, eventually, you know, that straight line speed kind of as he dipped into the toe lane down towards Cops. Hamilton, I'm surprised, left his car on the inside because ha- it looked like Verstappen had warded off, but Hamilton showed some bravery to keep his car down the inside. And then the apex came. I felt like Verstappen left enough room, but uh, contact was still made. How did you see the incident yourself? Having Obviously, it was a shock live, but how did you have now the dust has uh, settled somewhat? How did you, How did you see it? Well, to be fair, the entire thing from the start was really hard racing, wasn't it? From literally the get-go. Mm-hmm. And then sooner or later, something was going to happen at some point in the season, wasn't it? It was bound to happen mm-hmm. where they, one of them ended up in the wall because they'd both been very close a couple of times, Imola being the first one. And then, obviously, we saw in the sprint race how... Uh, sprint qualifying, sorry, how crucial having the lead is at the start because you just it's very hard to overtake around this track unless you've got a significant advantage. So they both knew how important it was to get that move done. And for me, I I swing 65-35 in Lewis's fault because of he he could have hit the apex all backed out or just not been there full stop and that incident doesn't happen. But at the same time, Max could have backed out or given more room. But you never know. These things happen. It I wouldn't have been too surprised if they'd given it as a racing incident, which they didn't. But 
the the penalty for me was a bit iffy. What about you on that? Yeah, I think Verstappen did everything he could. I think he defended the line. Hamilton then committed to the line, fair enough. But I also mm. thought that Verstappen also left the space. And I think yeah. in that situation, I thought Hamilton probably should have backed himself out of it. In a situation where it's his front versus Verstappen's rear, uh, Verstappen always had more to lose in that uh, high-speed scenario because unless it's like a terminal suspension damage on the front left-hand side of that Mercedes. But I did think Verstappen, there was enough room. I probably think most drivers... Pro- we've seen, look, we've seen a bunch of drivers, um, not just throughout the weekend, but in the past as well. Uh, down the inside there, usually you end up yielding. Unless you're convincingly alongside or even in front, you're, you know, that's that's when you're taking that inside line. But if you're behind another car when you're hitting that apex point, generally speaking, you're backing out. And I don't know, it, it, Hamilton definitely left his car in there. I feel like Verstappen, you know, I think he did everything he could and uh, contact was made. Yeah, Lewis was adamant that he was in front, and I saw nothing, no evidence of that whatsoever. Any in no. any of the replays, any of the stills, nothing. If he was if he was in front, then fair enough, Max should have backed out, but he just wasn't. So, and I don't get where that one came from. I, I know he's going to defend himself, obviously anybody would, but for me, that that impact was scary. The camera couldn't mm. even keep up; it was that fast. Fifty-one Gs. And obviously it ended up with uh, Max taking a trip to the local hospital. I think it was Northampton at the time. So, very scary. He sounded very, very shaken in the car. Obviously, to be expected on impact. Because that that car is an absolute write-off. Yeah, he's done. And in this cost-cap era, that's a big, big chunk of change. We saw how much Valtteri's car cost to be replaced when he had the crash with Russell and Imola. I was like one and a half million. Mm. So this one's even worse. I think so, it's worse because yeah. there's all those engine components at the back yeah. as well. That's the thing. It's literally all the back end, isn't it? It's com- it was completely gone on the right rear. Absolutely gone to smithereens. I'm surprised it didn't just fall apart when they lifted it out. Yeah, they, they didn't touch it for a while either, did they? It was very strange why. I, I think it was because mm. of the charge, but it was there for a good two or three minutes before they decided to move it. And Verstappen was visibly winded he was he stood next to the car for like a minute and a half before he uh, even went over to the doctors because he was just that winded from it it was an ugly accident obviously and the tire went flying like, the tire literally like slipped off the rim it looked like as yeah so that was that's going to be i think something the FAA are going to be a little bit concerned at why the tire went away like that in that accident but here's the thing then after that so that like the some people were like, yeah, racing incident. Uh, Damon Hill, of all people, just thought it was leading towards a penalty for Hamilton, which I, I was... was conv- a shot, uh. I was absolutely... I would have bet my house, my, my house I don't own, but my house, that he would have found some way to wiggle an excuse to uh, excuse Hamilton. But uh, I was surprised he didn't. But here's the thing. If you're then deciding... There's, there's two options you can go with here. Either you decide it's a racing incident and be done with it, face the backlash but if you decide that he is at fault then your punishment has to be somewhat more severe than the 10 seconds that was handed out because if you're deciding he's guilty or he's not guilty you can't i don't know it feels like a bit of a cop out 
basically in in some ways i felt like if it's if it, if it's a penalty then it has to be more than what was given in my opinion yeah you, you in what you're saying is because it's not like he's put max's from wing took max's from wing off or giving him a puncture or something like that max is clean out of that race which he probably would have got at worst second so for me a stop go with at least 20 seconds would have been just not the 10 seconds mm-hmm. that he got and the stop go being a, an add-on to another pit stop it already or without another pit stop sorry like 10 seconds takes the piss for many because in a car like mercedes and he's at the front of the grid basically that is absolute like that is chip that is chump change to make up with that mm. car versus everyone else that, like there is no question he's going to make that up you know very very quickly and it did, it didn't feel like a punch because he's just using the advantage that his car has over the rest of the field you know to do the work for him and yes he had to he had to overtake Lando Norris who decided not to fight at all and obviously yeah, then he, Bottas was ordered out of the way yeah Lando just bagged clean now and then Bottas was just get out of the wave out three type thing which I, I didn't agree with personally because Bottas did nothing wrong and should have just ignored it and done what he did in uh, Portugal. That yeah, funny. For for someone who's likely to be replaced this season, I would have I would have left it. But... Yeah, stuck stu- the middle finger up basically and says nah. They 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 left it very late though when they did decide to switch. Mm. Uh, but eventually it, it left. Once they did though, it, it left. Uh, Le- well, it left Hamilton to chase the leader from lap one, Leclerc, who slipped through after the uh, after the incident and. Uh, eventually, did did uh, did catch Leclerc to Hamilton with a few laps to go. Uh, the hard compound tire not quite suiting the Ferrari as well as the mediums, because even with those glitches that Leclerc was having, those uh, those engine mapping issues, he still was able to pull back out of DRS and extend a two point odd second gap on those mediums. I pitted later than Hamilton did, so he was clearly very comfortable on those mediums. But the hards just didn't uh, just didn't hold up the same way. Yeah, that, that car on the mediums was probably one of the fastest there. It was really strange. As soon as they put the hards on, Hamilton was taking a second a lap out of him easy. So they, I don't get how they dropped off that much, but I would have thought dirty air would have had more of an effect than it actually did coming mm. to the end of the stint. So uh, Leclerc was... You, I, like, you, I'm not sure if you got to see the onboard of him in the car afterwards, but I'm sure you heard the radio, but Leclerc was... He looked borderline devastated in that car. He would be to uh, have lost that result. Look, he he drove he drove his heart out. He, he drove an absolutely superb race that would have deserved to have won almost any Grand Prix. Uh, but the difference between that Mercedes and that Ferrari, look, ultimately is is quite high. Just a bit. Yeah. I I I got my hopes up from lap one. I said to my my mate over Messenger on Facebook, I said, Leclerc's got a great chance of getting a, a win here if things go his way and this Hamilton penalty is sufficient. And obviously, we both know and everyone knows that didn't happen. If Ferrari win after last season, that'd have been crazy. Mm, would have been would have been wild. Uh, but obviously, now the fallout from this is obviously the incident itself, the penalty, whether it's too harsh or not harsh enough in the eyes of some. Uh, multiple people, like I don't know, Daniel Ricciardo, spoken about it. Obviously, Red Bull are very upset about it. That you know, pointing the blame at Hamilton's feet, and you know, uh, Helmut Marco wanting uh, Hamilton suspend uh, like a band for the next uh, next race. Uh, that is that might be the most quintessential, might be the most quintessential Helmut Marco thing to say. Yeah, the, 
he, he, he's right in saying he should be punished more, but race ban, mm, a little far. Bit harsh. Picked up two, only two penalty points for that as well, by the way. What? Yeah. But Lando gets more for going around. Okay, whatever. Yeah, it is a strange one. But yeah, obviously, look, ultimately, like we said last week, this championship could go either way with a, a one DNF. And, you know, it's obviously a very different picture. And that's what the reality is. It's only, look, Verstappen does still lead, leave Silverstone with the lead. But obviously, his 30-odd point lead is now slashed to, I think it's eight points. Yeah. So pretty, pretty devastating. And Red Bull's advantage is essentially slashed in the constructors with a, a horrific race for uh, Sergio Perez after the spring qualifying escapades. But their Red Bull's lead is only four points. So uh, just a really rough weekend all around for, uh, for Red Bull. Their only solace is that they, could, that they got to take away uh, fastest lap with Perez on Hamilton, which I think was big, even though they threw away a few points to do it because they... He pitted from they pitted Perez from I think it was ninth, eighth or ninth. Yeah, it was. It was ninth. And then, yeah, for some reason didn't do the softs. Then I'm not sure if they thought the softs may not go to the end, but just a disastrous weekend for for Red Bull. It it just completely went to up, didn't it? It's just not what they needed. I honestly thought we we said in the last podcast if they came out winning this one then and go on to win Hungary then it's title over. But now. All the gaps are gone, mm. and one race makes a load of difference. So, it's just been an awful, awful weekend, and I, I can pretty much see Max and Lewis's relationship being the friendly thing that it was, being completely diminished. I think that's and gone, non-existent, especially with what Max has just come out and said as well. Yeah, so Verstappen came out on social media and was just gave a quick update on him himself but and I thought this myself as well I didn't want to tweet it but I thought it myself and Matt and Verstappen uh, clearly had the same similar thinking uh, I it did not sit well with me watching Lewis Hamilton chalk it up like with like just with the way he acted after the race and the and the flags and the jumping over barriers and that kind of thing um the over-the-top celebrations uh, for winning a race that you know he has won basically because a is penalty for causing another driver to go to the hospital in a sense it's not strong enough now look that's that's strong because obviously the, he's he's gone to the hospital for as a precaution but I don't know if it was me I don't think I could celebrate like that if I knew I was responsible for you know pushing another driver into an extremely dangerous uh, accident that could easily have ended up for Stappen coming off a lot worse than he actually did. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I wouldn't. I just wouldn't do it, even if it's my home race and the crowd would. It wouldn't matter to me. Verstappen would have been the priority. Didn't it? Didn't just. It just didn't seem to have any respect for him afterwards. And for me, that's just wrong. I thought it was really telling that you wouldn't. You wouldn't have seen this in the world feed, but. Uh, you would have heard parts of the radio, but I was on board with Hamilton for the whole thing from the start and uh, the incident, the radio afterwards. Um, he sounded like someone who was in, who was you know trying to absolve himself from uh, the blame and that kind of thing. Again, the, he, I was in front of him and all this. Literally, we had the uh, we had the incident, and then the safety car. Uh, Hamilton decided they decided not to pit in the end. Uh, literally, as the red flag was deployed, and they were coming into the pit lane. This is a good three or four minutes after the accident has taken place. Only then did Hamilton ask on the radio 
if Verstappen was okay. And they played it on the world feed about, I'd say about 15 seconds after he actually said it. So we know sometimes there's a delay with the radios and the team radios and that kind of thing. But literally, like as they're coming into the pit lane for the red flag, only then, after all his different comments about, you know, I, I was along, I, I was far enough alongside, I was in front, all this kind of thing. Only then did he ask if Verstappen was was okay. I thought that was pretty pretty rough. Could have been an immediate the immediate thought if if that was anybody else, and in a normal crash that didn't involve Hamilton, he'd have been straight there asking, but he didn't. Even the the red flag surely would have said and put alarm bells off in his head that this is a serious accident, that something could have badly happened and could have asked sooner. It's, for me, that just blows my mind. It really does. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand Lewis Hamilton sometimes as a, as, you know, as a character. <laughs> it just, I don't know. The antics, especially at Silverstone, it, it, sometimes it's, it beggars belief in terms of you know, what it actually is. Yeah, and he wonders why people don't like him sometimes. This is why. This is why I'm not a fan. I can't deny his racing ability. He did, he did a great race after the race, after the uh, incident, to be fair to him. Pumping in the fastest laps after fastest lap. In a much faster car than everybody else, mm-hmm. never mind that. But the, the, his actual personality and stuff, no, not not for me. I feel like some of his more criticised kind of characteristics were on display between his actions and his words, uh, you know, between the accident itself and afterwards. And we've definitely not heard the last of this. Uh, There'll be debate deep uh, deep into the week and I'm sure weeks to come about the penalty and was was it too harsh? I do think if it was any other two drivers, we wouldn't be talking about this much, but that's the difference, isn't it? It's between the two title contenders. Yeah, if if this is... Anyone outside the top two in the championship, it doesn't matter. It, it wouldn't have been talked about like this. It'd have been a quick 10, 15 minutes before and during the race, uh, during and after the race, and that would have been about it. But this is this could go right down to the end of the season, and probably even into the future years if Hamilton and Max's battle continues into further seasons. Uh, I'm reading a story here on motorsport.com. You're gonna love this uh, from quotes from Hamilton. Uh, this is just this has just come out here motorsport.com uh, quote I've not really seen the footage I saw a quick clip of it when I went back to the garage but I will go back and have time to reflect on it I don't think from my current understanding that I'm in a position to have to apologise for anything we were out there racing well no it, you you cause an accident the poor driver in hospital surely you would have some something to say um, so. he would go on to say uh, I heard that Max in the hospital, and def- that definitely concerns me. None of us ever want to be. Uh, none of us ever want any of us to ever get injured. That is never my intention. So I really hope he is okay. I'll hit him up after this just to check that he is okay. We will live. We live to fight another day. There will be a lot of tough races coming up, and we have we have to learn to strike a decent balance. Uh, I don't agree with the stewards, but I take my penalty on the chin and get on with my job. I'm not going to whine about it. Everyone is going to have a different opinion. I don't particularly care what people think. Of course, win the race, I wouldn't. Of course, you wouldn't. But uh, continue the quote. I just do what I do, and I'm just really grateful for today. Um, that also, I was very surprised that he didn't whine during the race about his penalty. Very surprised. Yeah, he normally does. Normally, because I think because yeah, I will, I will assume because of the fact he thought saw thought oh, I've look what I've I've probably created something here. 
Um, just and then just to add it here, um, refute it. Uh, Christian Horner's claim of a hollow victory, which I, I think it was in many ways, uh, it says, I don't really have to say anything to Christian other other than it, the win, doesn't feel hollow. There are 2,000 people in my team who work incredibly hard and it's not just about me. I already, I've already said this. Uh, this is not the way or anything I want to... Ha- I, this is not the way or anything I want to happen in the race. It's important for all of us to take a step back as emotions are running high. And I know what it is like to lose points with, within the team and be in that position. So I generally don't worry about it. Uh, that's, okay. That's to end the quote. So, yeah, I, I've just read those for the first time myself as well. Um, there's another story here on com that Red Bull could request further action against Hamilton. So we're definitely not here in the end of this. Um, I can understand their, yeah, I can understand why they're upset, not just in terms of the, the championship and the drivers and that kind of thing, but obviously, they're, obviously they've got a lot of... Uh, funds to spend re- re- rebuilding that car essentially well that's a million easy done on a, on a budget cap era in Formula 1 that's not something they want to be spending on really on something that could have been easily avoided uh, Christian Horner said that was the biggest uh, accident of Verstappen's career which would w- w- mean to say that he that it was a higher G impact than his Monaco 2015 uh, mm. accident which was hard but at least f- the the car was in the bar at the front. Yes. The crash structure built to take that, uh, you know, at the front, built to kind of take that. He just buried a bit into the barrier. But yeah, glad. I, I think just everyone's just glad that Verstappen's okay because yeah, that would have been a nasty one, especially after he just missed the Tech Pro barrier as well. Only just. Yeah, that's right. So I don't. Yeah, I mean, there's look. There's going to be a lot more to say about this in the coming days and the such. I'm sure we'll have to be talking about it again. But do you have anything else to add on the on the Hamilton and Verstappen uh, incident before we move on to the rest of the uh, British Grand Prix weekend? I do not. Yeah, it's it, it's we're not again. It's going to probably come up again in the context of the championship. It's probably going to come up again as well. Hundred uh, percent. Uh, it feels like that Verstappen's had a pretty rough rub of the green between Baku and I'd say this, where he wasn't. I wasn't. Enti- I'm not going to look. I'm going to entirely absolve him from fault, but it's if he has a bit to blame. It's only like there's only a small bit really that he will ca- probably carry in this situation. Yeah. Um. Anyways, let's move on though, because uh, this weekend as well, I think we, we, what we would be talking about, if not for the incidents of the race, uh, was the debut of the sprint qualifying format that we saw on Saturday. Uh, obviously, with qualifying being on the Friday, uh, the sprint qualifying was won by Verstappen, who put himself on pole position. Here's the thing I will say about Hamilton: I feel like the sprint qualifying, um, I feel like it negated what was a really great lap in qualifying and really great job of Mercedes and Hamilton to actually get the car on P1 for that sprint qualifying race, only for that pole position so to be chalked off because the winner of the sprint qualifying is the one that takes the uh, the official record for the pole position. I laughed when I when I realised what, what would happen. <laughs> it was pretty funny because for me, Lewis should have got pole by rise because mm. I might say it was a great lap. Oh, nowhere really because I was pretty much saying that Red Bull were going to dominate by six tenths before the uh, actual qualifying took place. And then Red Bull decided to make some changes to the car and it all went completely wrong. And Max did not get on with it. It was understeering like mad. Because obviously we only had the one practice session before qualifying. Mm. And that was it. The cars were in par firma. You couldn't change after that. Yeah, very much so. So 
And then Verstappen obviously got Hamilton off the line and that one didn't look back. I think, if anything, I think sprint qualifying highlighted how important that track position was. If that was them going for that track position in the race for the first time on the weekend, I wonder if either would have fought it as hard as they did, knowing how important it actually would end up being. Not a chance. Not a chance. If that, if that was Sunday's race, if that's how it was on sun, on Sunday, it wouldn't have happened. One of them would have backed out and yeah. just waited until they got down to the next lap or for the pit stops. So, not a chance. Yeah, I think with the importance of that, of what it actually showed as Verstappen went through, definitely played a part into that accident itself. Uh, yeah. But realistically speaking, people seem pretty pleased about how the sprint qualifying went. Um, I have initial thoughts on it, but my initial caveat on that is that it probably was only as good as it was because of Fernando Alonso. And then yeah. not only his first lap, but also then the fact that he was a slower car in front of multiple faster cars, then creating a bit of uh, dynamic in the race. Other than that, it was as, apart from, oh, also Carlos Sainz cutting his way through the field after being uh, taken out by uh, by George Russell there in uh, down towards Brooklands. Uh, those are the two aspects that really kind of kept sprint qualifying alive. So there, it was successful from that point of view, but I would be concerned going to other tracks that perhaps the same might, you know, the stat scenario is going to be a little bit different? I, I don't think it will be because it, it was a common theme of that even most of the, the other series on the track, like F2 and W series, that were there as support series for F1 this weekend, that you couldn't overtake. So I don't feel that it's the actual format itself is to blame. It's more the track itself, which is why I want to see it somewhere else before I make a full-on judgment mm. whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. But it wasn't great, if you know what I mean. It was okay. Mm. I, I, I liked it. It was fun. Yeah. Watching something else. I liked watching qualifying on a Friday night. That was different. I enjoyed watching a, a mini race straight after the F2 sprint race. It was, it was pretty fun. I think you're right with the track. Uh, I don't know where along the way we went from this place where we... Because we, we go into the British Grand Prix. And, like, you hear a lot of the cliches about the British Grand Prix, like the best fans and... all uh, oh, Hamilton jokes aside, like that's that's the general <laughs> thing you hear every single time. Uh, the British fans and all this kind of thing. And it's great for racing and overtaking. And all of a sudden we've awesome. moved into this place where... Even F2 was woeful in terms of the overtakes. Like, and that's a series that is more so made to actually facilitate racing. And they had an awful time of it. And F1 kind of followed suit. So I don't know where along the road we went from this place. I think really, it was ever since the turbo hybrid era, I think, and especially since, I'd say, 2018, I think, maybe onwards. But um, I guess as this track has more evolved to a power circuit, that mm. is literally just following. Now, look, you get look side by side racing. Once you do get there, it is great, but the problem is in that it's getting to it, and not many people could. Yeah, if you was in, if you wasn't a one and a half seconds a lap quicker than the car in front, you weren't getting past. Mm-hmm. And if you was there for more than long, longer than a lap, you really pretty much stuffed it. You were stuck. Like you look up or down that grid today. Like science was quicker than Ricardo. You know, By miles. Stroll, Perez, Gasly, uh, they were they were all quicker than Alonso today. Oh yeah, not Alonso was way out of position. You know, that's that's his reward for having a good sprint qualifying, I guess. Mm, very much so. Yeah, uh, finished P seven in the end of Alonso, but like he re overtook Stroll after that uh, slower kind of pit stop there for 
uh, Alonso, and then that was it. Like Stroll was, but we didn't see Fernando Alonso for the rest of the race. Then Stroll, you had Gasly behind, then Perez joined that fray as well, and they just could not do anything. So yeah, it's a strange one how we ended up going to this power circuit, kind of it's awful for overtaking uh, at Silverstone. So it, yeah, I think you are right. It was a theme. I don't think that particularly is going to change too much at Monza. I would love to see something at uh, the Circuit of the Americas when F1 goes there. If that, you know, assuming assuming you know that F1 will go to the states this year, given their how they're already operating at max capacities for uh, you know indoor and outdoor sports over there. So I imagine F1 is going to go back there this. Uh, this year, and I know F1 haven't officially announced that third spring qualifying race. It was initially thought to be USA. I, I, I'd pencil in for USA. I, I don't think it'd be any good at Brazil because the Brazil has faced this basically faced the same issues that Silverstone does these days. Yeah, I, I think personally, I think Italy will be great for it. It'll be really fun to see cars blooming, belting around, trying to get there and everywhere instead of being so tentative like they've been in the past. I think they'll probably go for it. Pretty an interesting race. Cota, I see it being another Silverstone where you just can't get past because of the heavy DRS, the uh, heavy downforce that you need in Sector 1 and Sector 3. So, I, I don't know. It'll, it'll be an interesting one to see, but I'm definitely down to see more of it rather than mm. not see it again. Uh, they definitely need to rethink the name, and that's something that they are doing. There's an article of race fans talking about this. Everyone ended up getting confused between they want to call it the race, but of course it's not a race. Uh, it's not even a sprint race, probably. It's a sprint qualifying. So I think they're going to uh, probably going to tweak the... Among the other tweaks they probably have in mind, I think they're going to tweak the, the name of this thing as well. Yes, they need to uh, rename the uh, pole. The the first, the fastest qualifier, should I say. You as well. that loved was, this. This was hilarious. Let me find it. One second. Let me just get on my Instagram and go to your message. It had me in tears when I read it. it I, was, was, uh, I thought it was very silly. Almost as silly uh, as putting the drivers onto a lurry immediately after the race to go around uh, the track afterwards. For full 10 minutes yeah. in a lorry in the heat. No thanks. So Lewis Hamilton was called the Pirelli speaking. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's pretty cheesy. Yeah, it is full American, isn't it? 100%. So You, you definitely know that that's been... Uh, Dreamt up by someone in that in that region. Maybe maybe it was Sean Bratch's uh, and Chase Carey's last contribution before they stepped aside from their roles. <laughs> yes, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd be interested to see. I like the idea of the wreath for the winner. Yeah, yeah, it's different, isn't it? That yeah. looked nice. Um, I do think the others should get them, but <laughs> not nah. just not just the winner. But... Mm. Although I'm not sure Valtteri Bottas would be particularly pleased <laughs> about it. No, no, probably not. Uh, have you any other thoughts on spring qualifying or spring qualifying race itself? Uh, did, you, uh, did you feel George Russell's penalty on science was warranted? Three-place grid penalty for his uh, involvement in that accident? Yeah. Probably yeah, it kind of had right? to, didn't it? Yeah, it kind of ruined science's race. For if it, if, if it wasn't a sprint, then I don't think it would have been too much of an issue. More, more like a lap one racing incident normally, but because it affected other things, I think it was more of a penalty. Mm. Yeah, I think you're probably right. So with that, uh, why don't we we'll kind of transition as such to uh, winners and losers before we talk about some of uh, the F2 20, F, F1 2022 car, but we'll talk about that afterwards. Let's keep on theme with the race. Um, we've kind of talked to a few losers already uh, as well, but I want to quickly, we'll make, we've got to put in Charles Leclerc here for an utterly mega drive again on, on Sunday. Just did everything he Saturday. had to. Uh, yeah, and the Saturday. I, and the Friday. I actually 
turned on sprint qualifying on Saturday and had completely forgotten the fact. I was so blinded between the Mercedes stuff and Red Bull stuff that I didn't even busy. didn't even realize the fact that Leclerc had stuck it in uh, uh, where he did. You were too busy uh, praising your speaking. Yeah, uh, that's exactly I was, <laughs> exactly what I was doing. So, um, put a mega shift in did uh, did Leclerc uh, all weekend long. I know he was devastated to have uh, lost that um, that race so late on in that in that fashion, but uh, just just an utterly brilliant drive. Did everything he would have deserved to do to win that race. Yeah, for me, he was a more deserving winner than Hamilton, mm-hmm. just based on where that team was last year and where my emotions were down in the dumps last year to now. They've done an amazing job, and that car for me. Really surprising. The pace on the mediums was fantastic. Hards not so much, like we said earlier. Mm. And even even science had a good race. So the actual yeah. I had Ferrari down as a winner more than anything. Mm. Strong it was just a good great, wasn't it? Strong pace all weekend from the Ferrari from, from those guys. And I think poor old science obviously had a rough pit stop that cost him big time. Whether it cost him more than fifth place, you know, you could debate it. It'd be interesting if you could have gotten over to Nars. If Norris was managing just the race after, um, kind of as he's found himself often this year, Norris has kind of had to just once the kind of the other like your likes of your Bottas's or whatever go by, and uh, you know just kind of settle into kind of a bit of a lonely race uh, has Norris. So we probably managed a bit from there, but yeah, poor old science probably definitely cost uh, P five after the uh, after uh, after the uh, not the only poor uh, or difficult pit stop. I imagine the weather probably played a, a big contributing factor into some of these uh, difficult pit stops yeah I, I was full on expecting Ferrari to do a Ferrari thing and absolutely cock up Charles, uh, Charles's pit stop yeah I was so nervous when he came into that box and then I saw him fly out two seconds later I started fist pumping I was getting dead excited going to celebrate a Ferrari win for the first time since uh, Monza 2019 but no no sorry Singapore 2019 mm. I forgot about Vettel's win there but uh, just fell a little short which is disappointing but it's still good at the end of the day Vettel's win that probably should have been Leclerc's win but <laughs> yeah it should have been Leclerc's win but, but yeah, PR Ferrari being, <laughs> Ferrari being Ferrari yeah, yeah. I, I was watching the race with my brother and we were after seeing the sign stop we were both absolutely convinced that Leclerc was going to follow a same a same same face thankfully it wasn't but yeah worth one for yeah, it would have been cruel uh, I'm just trying to. I'm going to look at what that does for. Uh, it does look Ferrari still a bit behind McLaren. They're 15 points behind on 148 compared to McLaren's 163. Because another week, winner of the weekend, Daniel Ricciardo had a much better weekend of things. Uh, managed to defend himself for P5. Obviously, Sainz was in his DRS for a lot of that second stint. Uh, to be fair to him, uh, wasn't too far behind Norris in the end. Uh, but just, uh, I thought. It, just a really good weekend for Ricardo in general. Obviously, he needs needs some good results, and picking up a fifth place just behind Norris uh, was uh, was a strong one for Ricardo. Definitely going in the right direction. Not on the level of Norris yet, but he's mm-hmm. definitely taken the right steps. I think it was more of a, a comfort track, isn't it, for Ricardo? He seems to be decent around here. He was good in the sprint as well. He was getting getting the the job done to set himself up for today. So yeah, the right step forward. Hopefully, he can maintain it when we go to Hungary. Yeah, a couple of weeks time. A track he's gone well at in the in the past. So one of my favourite races that he won. Mm. Very very good race. The 2014 Hungarian Grand Prix. Yeah, put a late one on uh, Alonso to uh, 
win that one. Probably would. Indeed. I wonder how heartbreaking that would have been in retrospect as well. You talk about heartbreaking losses to Ferrari. That car was a it was dog. Awful. awful car. Oh, sure, dog. I, I, could, I don't know how much uncomparable. Uh, if you could say it was worse than the 2020 Ferrari, um, hard, hard to say, but... Yeah, a late one also, that one. I'm not sure what lap Ricardo uh, overtook uh, Alonso in the end, but and I, and I know it was quite late. It was definitely last five, four, four or five laps. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed for Ricardo. Uh, yeah, he goes well, but good points, obviously, especially in the weekend where Ferrari really scored well, obviously with Clerk finishing second and Sainz then in sixth. So uh, good for Ricardo on that side of things to be just right behind his teammate, basically, in that, uh, from, that, uh, from that point of view. Yeah, he was where he needed to be. Mm-hmm. And they, they offset the points, like you said, for the Ferrari score pretty much. wasn't too much of a big blow. I do think the... It definitely felt like there was... You know, you had Red Bull, Mercedes... Uh, not These are not in order. Uh, McLaren and Ferrari. And then the rest. There seemed to be a strong performance drop-off after, you know, Ferrari and McLaren. So, um, yeah, there's some of that to be taken into account as well. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you who was the next best car after that. Um, I can tell you they were all over the place. I can tell you who the next best driver was after that, and that was Fernando Alonso. By a mile. Finished seventh in the race, finished, had to deal with, uh, I think it was the sixth in the end in the sprint qualifying. Couldn't yes, uh, couldn't, couldn't keep the two McLarens at bay uh, in the end, obviously. Uh, I think reflecting the fact that Norris pulled out a 20-second gap on Alonso by the end of the uh, sprint qualifying in that amount of time. So... Alonso punching well above that car is worth. Uh, held off Vettel very nicely in the in the in the sprint qualifying. I'm sure that would have brought a nice little smile to his face. As was, I'm sure, when Vettel uh, dropped it on the red flag restart after having obviously Vettel having got the move done first, get ahead of Alonso at the act of the race start, and then for Alonso to take that position back on the red flag restart, and then Vettel to drop uh, the rear end after that. But uh, even despite a slow pit stop, he came out just around Stroll, and then obviously Stroll took him. But then Alonso the DRS then came back and uh, held on in the car that definitely was not as quick as uh, either result that he produced on the weekend. Typical Alonso. Mm. That's that's what I have from that dragging the performance out of the car when it's not even there because Ocon was nowhere. He was much better than he, he was in Austria, but he was still nowhere in comparison. To be fair to him, this weekend, like he seemed a little closer. He was only mm. four seconds back of Alonso in the race itself. With uh, a new chassis. With a new chassis, well. yeah. He did feel a lot more comfortable with Ocon, I think. But that's going to, like, we talk about legacies and that kind of thing. That moment right there, uh, that first lap of the sprint qualifying between uh, Alonso getting, I know he was on softs, but, um, and that does Duh. matter somewhat. It matters more so off the line than what he actually ended up doing. But to go from P11 to P5 by cops, that is going to go down as a you know as a great Alonso moment in his career. Much in the same vein like Raikkonen's uh, Portimao lap from from last year. Yeah, if you haven't done yourself the favour and already, just go and watch the lap on YouTube. It is immense. The the move at cops as well round the outside is so ballsy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Brilliant, absolutely amazing. That, yeah, quintessential Alonso at his finest. He still, he he still has it. Like ultimately, he he still has it. He's the goat. He's the real goat on that grid. Just, uh, I, I said to you at the time when I saw it, but how many drivers could do what he did? 
you know, with that one. car as well. Every car he overtook was quicker than he was. There's only one driver that springs to mind that could do that on that grid, and that's Max. Yeah. Anybody else, no. Yeah. And the reason why Max would come up, like, he, we saw as part of this, you know, China 2017 comes to mind. Uh, for Verstappen, mm. if you want to look that one up as well, that's another good one to uh, to to watch in the uh, intermediate conditions there. But yeah, Alonso just a fantastic weekend, real good haul of points, especially on the weekend where uh, Alpha Tari did not have a strong weekend uh, in comparison. Yeah, they were weird, and uh, there's again that that gap. Uh, Aston Martin as well having a difficult one as well. Um, Alpha Tari still in fifth on forty nine points. Aston Martin. Uh, on 48 and then Alpine on 40 so they're creeping into the fray here for that's for that's a squabble for fifth place so significant money at uh, you know at stake there for that P5 squabble but uh, Alpine having a good weekend coming out on top there the double points finish yeah 100% it's, it's what they needed for going up to some uh, tough races is what I want to say because mm. I'm, I'm not sure Hungary is a track a, a track that's going to suit that car <laughs> you'd imagine AlphaTauri should be pretty handy around yeah, around Hungary, but we'll we'll wait and see. But uh, we'll we'll quickly toss in Ocon as a decent winner of the weekend there for a good bounce back performance. Uh, mm. Obviously, look, obviously he had a chassis, a new chassis to boot, so I'm sure that definitely helped. Uh, but still finished, finished P9, picked up to two points, two much needed points after uh, just a just a really rough three races after that uh, after that contract extension. Yeah, he he, he 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 sort of got his his mojo back in a way, but he still just. Not on the level of his teammate, and he's being outshone by someone that's nearly double his age. So, yeah, it's not not, not the best, but it's still the good good comeback, and it's what Alpine needed him to do, mm. I guess. Uh, I'm gonna throw in Yuki Sonoda as a winner of the weekend here as well. Really? Yeah, I think that's so. Brave. He got knocked out in Q1, I believe. And he did again, again. Yeah, again. It's the fifth time in. I think it's. He's done it often this season. He's been often been the other exception with the you know the Hasses and the Alfa Romeos and the such and Latifi's Williams, uh, so an icon of late as well. But like <laughs> we talked about the difficulty in overtaking here, I just thought Sonoda had a really just a really solid race. Picked up the po- picked up the points, what well, point rather, and the pieces after Gasly's puncture. Um, just a low key solid race. Got himself in the points. Uh, it wasn't too far off of things in the end. He's only about ten seconds off of Alonso in seventh. In the end, I just thought he had a really solid weekend and not a massive winner, but just to throw that in there, yeah. as someone who needs results like this and drives like that. Yes, when Mr. Marco is uh, cracking the whip, mm-hmm. shall we say. Always, and the F3 drivers and F2 drivers putting on the uh, on the pressure. So, yeah, I thought that was a good weekend for uh, for uh, for uh, Sonoda. Yeah. Do you have any other winners of the weekend? We move on to some of the losers. Bottas. Valtteri Bottas, yes. He was there, wasn't he? He, he wasn't amazing, but he uh, wasn't slow either. He was, he was where he needed to be. And obviously he got told to move out of the way for Lewis, which obviously wasn't the best, but he got the job done and picked up another podium. Just being consistent, isn't he now? Which is what he, uh, he needs to do. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, even if we think it may be in vain anyways, but... Yeah, it definitely is in vain at this point, in my opinion. But yeah, because he's built nicely off of that really rough race in Baku, which was mm. again rock bottom Bottas. So yeah, yes. I, I think he's built nicely from there. To be fair to him, so yeah, Valtteri Bottas, good, uh, good win at the weekend too. I did think he kind of screwed himself though at the start. 
after he dropped behind <sighs> Norris and Leclerc. I was like, right, here we go. This is going to be Bottas, and he's not getting past. But then the gods were looking down at him after all the uh, poor pit stops and bad luck he's had this season. And they were like, right, Norris, you're going to have a bad pit stop. And obviously Mercedes reacted straight away. Yeah, as and, they should. Uh, yeah, pit Bottas for track position. I think so. they acknowledged afterwards that like they wouldn't have brought him in other than the fact that you know Norris had his stop and they have to immediately respond to that because they're they that opportunity wasn't coming again. Yeah, it's, it's literally this a similar story to Austria with Perez. Essentially, exactly the same. Essentially, now with Norris's pace at the second part of that race, I definitely think that it didn't ma- his slow stop did not matter in terms of Hamilton coming towards him. Or changing no. that outcome that did like that didn't matter in that context. I I'm not sure in the same way if it, it was the same for Bottas. If you could say with certainty, um, I'm I'm not going to say sit here and say that Bottas definitely wouldn't have overtaken Norris hadn't been for that stop. But because once he did, like he pulled out a gap very quickly. The Bottas once he was ahead. To be fair to him, it, 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 the Mercedes did seem a lot happier on the hards than they did on the mediums. So it's hard yeah. to say from that point of view, but. Um, some degree of luck broke in Bottas's favour, and again, he's st- he's still due. Yeah, it's it's overdue, like we say. So fair play, in my opinion. His starts were disappointing because twice, I think, on the start on that side of the grid where the you know pole position is, uh, you'd be looking for him to try and certainly not lose a place as he did. Uh, his starts definitely still leave something to be desired. Yeah, it's not it's not great, is it? In that sense. So, do you have any other winners then of the uh, the weekend before we move on to the losers? I do not. Uh, we've obviously talked about Hamilton's antics. We talked about Verstappen and Red Bull. Uh, we've talked about uh, well, that's that's a lot right there. But uh, where do where would you like to start for losers of the uh, weekend outside of uh, outside of those that we've spoken about? Perez, Sergio Perez. Yeah, self inflicted. You'd probably say. Um, yeah, definitely. The big the loser there. of sprint qualifying, having just dropped it on his own, seemingly coming out of uh, out of chapel onto the onto the hangar straight. Uh, I'm I'm amazed. It looked like he was spiraling right into that wall. Uh, seemed, I thought he was tall. Uh, it seemed like the front definitely stayed out of the wall. I'm not sure about the rear. I know they had to change the rear wing, so I'm not sure if it was just minor damage or it was major damage. Because once he got back on track, he was nowhere in terms of pace. Couldn't get past anybody. Mm. And that was it. And then they retired the car pretty early, uh, pretty soon afterwards. So he did make some good ground up in the race, but kind of got stuck in that ghastly stroll Alonso kind of train late on. Yeah. And they pitched him down. I, I found it weird they pitched him very early on those hards. I would have thought they would have left him out and see, take their luck with a safety car or something. But they pitched mm. him early to try and undercut. It was, he was behind Gasly and Raikkonen at the time. Uh, Raikkonen came into the pits at the same time Gasly stayed out. Uh, so, but he did end up catching up that train, did uh, Perez again, and pitted for mediums. It was a weird one at the time to do. Um, a, because um, why wouldn't you put softs on if possibly with 13 or so laps to go, uh, if you're not confident on that. But uh, yeah, I definitely think Perez wasn't helped by the strategy, but obviously he's in that position in the first place because of the error. Yeah, he screwed himself over, and then Red Bull didn't help him out in the in the end. And obviously, the track itself and how mm-hmm. how it worked this weekend didn't help him either. Because I don't think if we, if it was a, a track like France, I don't think he'd have too much trouble getting through everybody. Probably would have got up to the back of Ricardo and Sainz, and that would have been it. 
pretty much. She'd probably been with them by the time we got to the end of the race, mm. if it was normal circumstances. Yeah, so look, he did. Well, he, look, the, the only thing he could do at the end was take Hamilton's fastest lap, and he did do that, and that might be important come come the end of the season. So, as much as arguably as much as those three points that Verstappen scored uh, on on Saturday uh, might end up being extra important <laughs> in the grand yeah grand scheme of things, without with the gap, what it is. Yeah, you never know. It'll, as, uh, each and every point counts, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. At this point. So rough on her Perez, uh, just a weekend to forget really for uh, for him, and mm. he needs to turn in a few performances here because uh, really since Baku it's kind of been trickling down. There were some races now it wasn't entirely his fault. Uh, the Austria one obviously was a was a rough one where the podium was his essentially, and the the pit stop didn't uh, didn't help. But uh, some difficult performances here from Perez haven't been helped by qualifying. I think is his main issue. I think if he's in the space. I think he's basically good to go, but the problem is that he's been not maximizing—no pun intended—the uh, uh, the performance of that car in qualifying, and that's left him in difficult spots behind the Mercedes, behind even Norris at times. Yeah, and being behind Norris in that car is a no-go, unfortunately. You lose too much time. Don't. Yeah, if you're behind him for more than two or three laps, the the guy's in front of five, six seconds down the road, and that's it, pretty much done. Mm-hmm. Then at that point, it's too much to make up. So yeah. That's where you think he's struggling with, I think. And yeah, well, we need to need to needs a good result. Uh, does Perez now as the obviously the constructors' uh, advantage is now completely slashed essentially? Yeah, he, he needs a second second place, I think, somewhere along the line to uh, get Red Bull that one two is mm-hmm. uh, what that is what they need, to, and then he'll probably end up with a new contract at that point. So, uh, I'm going to put Sebastian Vettel as a loser of the weekend here. Big loser, big big loser. Uh, he was unfortunate in the sense that he was definitely quicker than Alonso on spring in spring qualifying. Uh, yeah, uh, obviously had to settle. That's for, where most. Yeah, as were most behind him. To be fair, had to settle for eighth place. Got the job done on Alonso to begin the race, and then uh, the return. I didn't think we'd see this again, but the return of mission spin now. Uh, for Sebastian Vettel, I, I I really wish I tweeted it because every time he's done it, I've tweeted it, and oh. it's a little it's, it, it became a little staple because it ended up happening so often between 2018 and then a little bit 2019 and sometimes in 2020 as well. I didn't oh, just inexplicably drops it trying to you knew he was trying to fight Alonso hard, did not want to give that one up, just put too much throttle down coming out of um out of woodcut and onto Luffield. I dropped it, ended up at the back. I don't, I don't think he really did any damage because he didn't hit the wall, which I was surprised by. And then, call up to DRS. I actually put the feed on his onboard behind Latifi, assuming he was just going to breeze by the Williams. Never happened. Ended up falling out of DRS, and then I think to save face, they retired the car. But just a disaster race for Vettel. Yeah, I, I was looking at. I was. Halfway through the race, and I was like looking down the uh, the uh, grid, and I was like, "He's still at the back." I thought he'd been at least like thirteen, fourteen by that point, but no, just never seemed to recover from it. It's very strange. I don't know if it's just like the track itself once again coming into factor, or if it was just there was unknown things that we didn't know about, and he was just not comfortable with the car or something like that, which would have been very strange because it looked very solid in the sprint. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Weird one in that sense from uh, Vettel. Yeah, uh, not great because he was, again, he was in points-paying positions and decent points-paying positions too. Yeah. 
you know, that card did show some decent, not great, but decent turn of pace. Definitely point scoring mm. worthy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, rough one. His teammate ended up picking up uh, the points in the end in P8 there. So some solid points there for a stroll. It's a very good point. Actually, you can even argue to throw Stroll as a winner of the weekend to salvage P8 from P15, you know, from qualifying originally. Uh, you know, mm. he, uh, he did, uh, I think, more than what probably could have been expected given the, uh, before, you know, the lights went out earlier today. Yeah, definitely. Stroll's been one of the quiet ones this season, I thought, to be honest. Mm. So, done a good job there. Yeah, so not great for Vettel. Uh, who do you have as another loser of the uh, of the weekend? George Russell. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And that is mainly because Mr. Saturday became, quote-unquote, Mr. Friday. I know you hate that so much. That's so, so stupid. So I'm going to say it. It's gonna, so I'm going to say it. Um, he, he, he got into Q3, a brilliant lap in uh, mm. Q2. Absolutely amazing. The crowd went absolutely ballistic, didn't they? Amazing to see. And then he, he made contact with science in the sprint. Still ended up inside the top 10, but got the three-place grid penalty, was dropping down to 12. Had a bad start in the actual race on Sunday. Yeah. And then just never really recovered from it. So it's very, very poor in that sense on what could have been points. Yeah, I think there will be real expectation after obviously Friday and even Saturday. Uh, obviously before the uh, penalty was dished out but I think it, I think it was just that start that really kind of put him on the extra back foot in the end because he like mm-hmm. he also he's down to like P14 and the such and uh, difficult to get anything from there but I think more than anything else and what we're seeing now is that uh, that Williams uh, is and we've seen it with a couple of drivers this season in some in certain cases but uh, that it's it seems like it doesn't quite have the pace to you know to maintain the qualifying position that Russell is able to push it on on one lap just doesn't have that race pace to be able to fight and maintain the brilliant positions that Russell can put that car in. Yeah, it's very much a qualifying car, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's good to see on the Saturday, but I wish he could just put it together on the Sunday to finally mm. get that point and get that weight off his shoulder and that label of Mr. Saturday. Get it gone, because it's stupid at this point. It is stupid, because A, his teammates have been Nicholas Latifi and Robert Kapitza which, you know, we we all respect what Kibitz had, had done to come back, but let's face it, the reality of his limitations was shown in that 2019 mm. season, even though he did have the one point, and Williams is, to date, their, their last point that they scored in F1 coming from Kubica's car, but it's not, it's, look, it's not much of an uncommon, look, okay, to do it for the volume, sure, uh, but the volume of races that it's happened sure but the yardstick here is not comparable they are not good drivers in terms of where they are the kibitza and the tv uh, even though mm. the tv finished 14th here but again more so due to the fact that everyone else kind of fell apart around them but yeah <laughs> we need to shed that label because it's it's a, a stupid nickname that somehow hasn't been found in f1 before now like yarno truly should have been this really yes but uh, only for the fact that the TV or uh, Russell's had terrible teammates is does this nickname exist. Um, but yeah, we're just learning that that car is more so seemingly suited for qualifying than it is an actual race. Because I think, re- realistically speaking, two instances now where Russell could have maybe kicked on for points, and you know has fallen away because the car just isn't there. Yeah, it's always because of the stars. I feel though, rather than the actual race it's later on in the race once he gets going he seems to be all right he was good in austria or austria whichever one it was but 
after it just the start, he just goes backwards, and I've never quite understood it because obviously the world feed doesn't really want to go on board with the uh, George Russell on lap one or lap two, so you don't really get to see what happens. We're too busy watching uh, Hamilton or Verstappen drive off into into the distance. <laughs> I mean, when when you ha- when you get the chance to watch a car drive into nothing, I mean that's you know, that's that's got you gotta watch that, right? Yes, <laughs> I'd prefer if it was Ferrari. Not gonna lie, but wouldn't yeah. we all at this stage? Yes, definitely. Yeah, so it's not so much Russell himself; it's more so the car. Yeah, uh, as later at the weekend, because obviously yeah. Russell put a stellar stint in obviously qualif- in uh, the qualifying, and in the sprint. To be fair, it wasn't a terrible stint. He was he was in there. He mm-hmm. was in the mix in that Alonso train. He probably wouldn't have been there if Alonso wasn't so slow. But yeah. Still good. Yeah, so yeah, we'll see if they can actually pick up any points this season. They've threatened a few times. It it felt like this was the weekend it was going to happen, but uh, alas, it, uh, it, it did not. Um, do you know what circumstances led to Nikita Mazepin actually finishing ahead of Mick Schumacher today? Ace. He, he was the fastest driver on the track. <laughs> no, to be fair, they I, I didn't see them all race. Apart from when they were being lapped, they were close so. together for a lot of that race. To be fair, it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like Schumacher was twenty odd seconds behind and then an extra pit stop. You know, mm. it, it just it felt like Massive just had the the measure on race day, which was odd because yeah. we well not odd, but obviously, look, this was a race where Mazepin kind of stamped his letter. You know, uh, put a stamp on his letter last year in F two, and um, this was which he won. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Like he, this is where he kind of bro- well, not broke through because he, he did show pace beforehand, but obviously kind of announced his, you know, look, we all know the story of Mazepin, but he was a legit fast driver in F2 last season, and it started really here in uh, Silverstone. So the fact that he's beaten Schumacher shouldn't be too much of a surprise here, but uh, it is a surprise given how the season has gone that fun so far. Yeah, and especially after he, uh, they made contact in the sprint, wasn't it, wasn't <laughs> it as well? Yeah. Do you remember when I said to you that um, Gunther Steiner already warned, uh, you know, warned before spring qualifying that they needed to not hit each other, and then then Mazepin hit into the back of uh, into the back of Schumacher. Yeah, first, of all places, out of Silverstone as well. First corner, so yeah, that's after right, at Silverstone. That's right after the yes, the famous on. door incident. Mm-hmm. He should have given Mazepin should have given him the door here. Yes, that would have been more funny. Doesn't... Especially, he'd have done it after they they crashed as well. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> oh, no, you got to do that before the you got to do that before the, the stuff on. You can't give them that after the crashing into each other. That's hilarious. Oh no, it'd be it'd be hilarious if I was Mazepin. I I'd don't be... think it'd be very well received. No, Gunter would be calling me a lad and stuff. It'd be great. Signed <laughs> uh... up to a new contract. Well, it seems like that's going to be done fairly soon. I think. I think you can expect a double announcement of Haas retaining their lineup. I don't think that's going to change really. You don't see Ron Asani stealing that seat from McShumacher. Uh, I don't think so. No, certainly not based on the weekend showing. But why not? Well, that's you got to believe. I don't he, want he to. He will get there. I don't think our he goat. He will get to F one. What eventually. do you mean, our goat? You know what I mean when I say our go, our one to watch in Formula Two, the one we, we spend our time talking about the most. I'm, I'm not even blind when I say that. Either. I know, like we actually have to talk about Roy Nassani in the, in the F2 podcast as well. That's the thing. Yeah, and uh, overtakes. Do you it's know just what? The first, first I, of call. 
I, you know, I, I, I need to postpone that because I don't, I don't, I, I, want, I don't want to, I don't want to talk any more about Rona Sign until I absolutely have to. You've already, <laughs> you've already done way too much. I've angered you. Yeah. You will not sleep tonight. Because uh, of not because of the heat, no. Because uh, you've mentioned. I've put him in your head. Mm. That's it. I'm done. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the British Grand Prix? I assume that was the last of your losers as well. Yeah, everybody else was just sort of where they there, were meant to be, wasn't they? Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for um, Gasly to lose eight on them with a puncture. But that was yeah, a strange one. Yeah, Kimi probably sh- like that, that. You could put you could put the the racing with uh, Perez as a winner, and then his decision to leave his car in there as a loser. Yeah, but, and then bounce off that curb, and that was it. It was pretty much done after that. Yeah, rough one there for. Uh, he was having a decent race to be fair to him, and some yeah. excellent racecraft had some good stuff on the sprint qualifying lap as well. And, uh, yeah, especially into Marcus and Beckers with Stroll, mm. who uh, Stroll went into the side of him. So, which I didn't see till afterwards, till I looked on Instagram. <laughs> <Nope. laughs> so yeah, I don't have too many other thoughts. Again, we're not. Again, we'll be hearing plenty about the Verstappen Hamilton uh, incident. And uh, yeah, just going back to Russell here, just I'm just refresh rate fans. And uh, the, the headline here: Spin qualifying penalty didn't cost us points. Says Russell, which again I, was something that we basically have. Uh, alluded to as as well but the, the race car yeah. just wasn't there indeed um i think then that's basically it on the racing itself although there was one bit of uh, well two pieces of news one more relevant for f2 with uh, alfa romeo name staying with the cyber program so that's uh, for a few more years that we'll, we can get into the connotations of what that has in terms of their f1 lineup you know at another time for the F2 podcast, but the the main bit I'd say over the weekend was that the F1 unveiled a life-sized model of the 2022 car to commemorate a very flashy and interesting livery and presentation. Uh, you have to say uh, over the uh, weekend with the uh, bit weird with the drivers in their full racing uniform to uh, stand around in a circle, but. Uh, interesting yeah pretty much now we've only seen renders and uh sorry we've seen renders from 2019 when those came out we saw a half scale version in the wind tunnel which was unpainted and some other scale version i think somewhere as well so uh, got an eye in for that what were your thoughts on looking at the car everyone seems pretty pretty impressed with the talk and the look uh, what do you think don't like it you don't like it i hate it it's horrible it's ugly it's disgusting i, I i'm a big fan of how the cars look now so mm. I, I don't like I, I like how the cars look now but i don't like how they race so if they could like mix them together then that would be the perfect scenario for me and the drivers themselves didn't seem to impress they were a bit confused at what to say i think there's I definitely afterwards. yeah i think that's definitely a part is that they i don't think uh, Ricardo had to backpedal on some stuff that he was caught saying. Uh, it seemed like uh, had to backpedal. Said they looked okay, uh, but uh, yeah, they, look. I think the message seems to be similar, though. Even if they're not sure on the looks, I think everyone's in agreement that as long as they make for better racing, I don't think anyone will care too much in the long term. Yeah, I, I just like seeing the cars, especially going to cops this weekend. The flick into cops. Oof. Mm. gets me every year in these generation of cars it's so good to see so i'm gonna miss that with them being able to flick it in like that so good so I, yeah yeah like the livery was an interesting choice i do think that like they obviously it's very clear that f1 sent each team apart from ferrari for some reason uh each team i never saw ferrari post their 2022 
card, but obviously, like you know, at this, roughly the same time, all the teams put out a, a picture of a render of what their car would look like with their current livery of the twenty twenty two cars. Uh, I saw all nine of them, apart from Ferraris. So I'm not sure what happened. Uh, They'll probably release it with their 2022 livery, with their 2022 car. To be fair, maybe uh, Ferrari took the uh, Michael Massey approach and not opening their emails. Yes, you know. Uh, have you opened your emails? <laughs> no, I'm not. I have not opened my emails because I'm working. You know, I'm trying to do a job here uh, in my I've office. I sent you a diagram. <laughs> Was, if you was... don't know what we're on about there we're talking about Toto Wolf talking to Marco Massey over the FIA oh. radio about sending a diagram as to show that Lewis was in front or some technical regulation mm-hmm. or something like that bizarre I, I think you should open your email <laughs> no Michael was just like nah I'm, I'm working mate He's, yeah that's the thing like he basically said go upstairs and see the stewards he doesn't even make the penalty decision <laughs> He's just the race star, right? He's just the, the race star. He's just, he just, he just, you know, deploys the safety car, starts the race, deploys the red flag. Um, he does not. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. They were all going to Michael to be they fair, were. wasn't they? They were. Yeah. So that was Jonathan Wheatley was very, very cross. He was very cross, <laughs> rightly so. But I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah, of all words to use, that was not one what I expected uh, to hear. Yeah, especially when he, I've uh, seen clips of him effing and blinding it before. So. <laughs> Yeah, pretty funny, pretty funny stuff. That was, uh, yeah, I'm glad we get to hear those. That was hilarious, indeed. Um, I just, but back, just back to the 2022 guys. I like the front, the front nose. I like that shape. I like again. It looks it reminds you of an F2 car, and again, if we get racing like we do in F2, then I think that can only be a good thing. The rear of the car is a little strange. I like that. That's the bit I enjoy. Really, that's the bit I you like. like. Yeah, yeah. It looks, it, looks, it looks very good to look at from the rear. I'm more of a booty man. <laughs> well, it's a very classy of you. It is, but you got to say what you got to say, haven't you? At the end of the day, <laughs> that's a driver's hat too. Yeah. Yes. Um, anyway, I'm sh- again. Well, I'll, I'll, I think they'll look nicer. To be fair, once they're actual real life cars with liveries on them, not just renders. Blush. They did look a lot better. I will say they did look a lot better with the F1 liveries planted. The F1 team liveries planted on top of it. To be fair, it'll look better so. with like real lighting and you know a bit of gloss <laughs> i'm looking forward to the mission win now branding over the top of it looking forward to the green ferrari next year yes the carbon neutral ferrari <laughs> oh that'll be, that'll, be, that'll be one for the all-time books wouldn't it yes uh do you have any other thoughts then on anything f1 related before we uh depart for the uh for the week race rating out of 10 e uh, I'm going to give it a five. Yeah, five and a half from me. Great at the start. Well, not great in terms of the accident and Max being in hospital or whatever, but mm-hmm. great drama. And then the chase at the end was very good, but the rest of the race was very meh. Oh, for drama, you got to give it a 10, right? Uh, I don't know. For drama, yeah. you can't get too much bigger than the two championship contenders colliding and one going out, regardless oh, of the race itself. Yeah, true, true. I think race drama and race raging are, uh, I think, two different things. But yeah, if the race itself, yeah, I mean, no one could overtake. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to the uh, interviews in Hungary, and I hope mm-hmm. in the uh, press conferences that Max and Lewis are putting one together to see how oh, that the... how stormy that is. Yeah, Thursday is going to be a fascinating day for uh, yeah. 
if you get if you're an F one journalist, you know it's gonna be it's it's what dreams are made of. <laughs> okay, I'm going to see Lawrence Bogato rubbing his hands together right now. He's oh, gonna be loving stuff. life. It's gonna be there's there's going to be some hashtag clicks on Thursday. Definitely, they're, they're definitely going to be hashtag blessed with the uh, clicks. Yeah. I can't wait. I wonder if particular. I wonder if I wonder if Mercedes will choose this time to decide to announce uh, announce Russell to sh- to you know to move some of the away. press away from Hamilton. Yeah, they'll do something. There'll be something that they do that's yeah. good to try and take the limelight away from them, isn't it? There's definitely going to be some PR spinning. Yes, yeah, so I'm definitely going to think we're going to see a very Austria type Max Verstappen from 2019 where he forces Hamilton off the track from that one. Yeah, I think that Nothing will be given. Is gone. But yeah, I'm actually, you know what? I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to, I would, if I could bet money, I would bet that Mercedes announced Russell before the Hungarian Grand Prix. Yeah. Something will, there'll be a talking point. They'll say that Bottas isn't being renewed or something like that. Yeah. Or that Hamilton's retiring at the end of the season. Please, (laughs) please. The Pirelli speaking is retiring. Yeah, so I I will uh, I can't wait to say I told you so, and then if I if nothing happens, then you know I'm going to laugh at you very very hard <laughs> uh, for all the mocking you did to me. Yeah, over the not coming home, and I'm surprised well, you we, haven't done it. We talked about it. I barely fair. did it. Yeah. Uh, you did it in my head. You put them thoughts in my head. You know what I did. You know what you did. Uh, speaking of in something insufferable, can we can we give it the Sky Sports uh, broadcast? Aside from Jensen Button, a loser of the weekend. Oh d- no, the Mercedes celebrations. God, after the, after the blooming qualifying on Friday, what was that? You'd it's sw- like they never won a race. You'd or swear they'd never ever been on pole position or you know won a race in seven right. years. Yeah. It was bizarre how much they celebrated. Fair enough, he, he did a good job and surprised everybody, but a bit over the top, guys. Come yeah, on. a bit, very over the top. I'd expect that. I would, I would expect less from that from William scoring a point with Russell. Yeah, yeah, I would. That's how yeah, over the top it was. Yes, but at the end of the day, they're the speed kings, so you've got to got to give them the do. Um, that would have been the podcast title, there, but... The obvious title now is the breaking point. Why? <laughs> Just why? <laughs> no, the the break the breaking point. To be fair, it's a good a good good option. Only for the fact of the Hamilton Verstappen incident. Yes. Otherwise, it would have been the speaking. There's no doubt about it. Indeed. Anyways, uh, I think we've 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 just we've descended into the ramble uh, stage of things. And um, one last refresh of motorsport.com and race fans has a uh, has nothing to uh, to offer except for the fact that one just popped up here where the headline is uh, "Pass on quote respectful Leclerc shows how Verstappen move should have gone." Really isn't letting this one go, is he? No. Um. Look, fair play. If that's the hill you choose to die on, then, then fair play. But the the backlash is going. To, you're going to have to take the stick that comes with it. Yeah, it is. It's, it's going to be a very interesting topic to discuss when we come to the F2 podcast next week. Because I'm sure we're going to spend about 20 minutes talking about the aftermath of this weekend. <laughs> There's going to be a lot to talk about. Yeah, 
definitely not heard the last of this but yeah i think that's gonna be it unless you have any other uh, last minute thoughts to uh, squeeze in before we uh, finish off this uh, this weekend i do not i think we've uh yeah i need to go before i melt because i'm sticking to this leather chair so badly i think i need another shower before i go to bed it's uh very very sweaty in here well thank you so much for that as your closing thought and image to leave people leave people with uh yeah you've got to keep them coming back for more haven't you so i don't think anyone wants any more of that right if they don't want a piece of me then what do they want in life because i'm just (sighs) it aren't i like i'm just the dream i'm the pirelli speaking after all oh right (laughs) my name has been graham (laughs) I've been Mike Hawthorne. And uh, we shall see you uh, next week. And I can't stress how quick enough that can't uh, come because <laughs> I, I, never, I don't think I ever want to speak to you again. <laughs> well, I'll be doing me a favour then, yeah? Uh, you a favour? Me a favour? What are you talking about? <laughs> right, get out of here. Melt for all I care. <laughs> <Good> wow. <luck. laughs> Goodbye. Bye.